At the Cryptid Keeper podcast, we love to laugh at the darkness, but we would never laugh at the rich cultures that explore it, or the unique cultural significance of the creatures explored. The jokes within are on no one but us. We encourage additional research on the subjects covered here, and hope that a comedy podcast is not your primary source of information. podcast the podcast for cryptids and their keepers that's us and if you're listening it's you too i'm alex flanagan and i'm addison peacock (laughs) and we're doing the best we can this week folks yeah it's difficult to quantify but i think so (laughs) yeah yeah sometimes the things that are vast and unknowable are a welcome relief from the things that are entirely too knowable Mm -hmm. (laughs) there are a lot of things right now that i think are much too knowable, and that's a problem for me. Mm-hmm. Mayhap for you too, dear listener. So, um, you know, hopefully you can get this in your, your ears. You can get it between them. You can get them all mixed up in the brain space, and we'll bring some good vibes that'll give you a, a slightly different sort of alarm, <laughs> which I hope you will enjoy. Yes. Or derive some pleasure from. To provide a welcome reprieve. Yeah, Exactly. But also really quick, at the tippy top, if you're going outside, wear a mask, or you're a bad person. Thanks. Yeah, that's about as simple as it gets. Unless you're, like, going into your own backyard. Yes, but, like, yeah, if you're going into a public space. (laughs) Yeah, if you are going into a space where other people are. If you're, like, walking on, like, a forest trail with nary another human in sight, like, do your thing, live your life. Right. But public spaces, if you're going to be in public spaces, sharing space with other people, put a little fabric over your nose and mouth. It's such a small thing. Yep. Protect yourself and others. Can't believe that's a thing we have to beg people to do. Anyway. And if you are the proprietor of an indoor space and someone comes into your establishment wearing a mask, do not tell them, ah, oh, it is fine here. You may remove that facial covering. Like, Please don't do that. <laughs> don't. I can't tell you the number of people... I literally can't. I should not reveal details, but I can't no, tell you the number, of, the number of people who have, while I am trying to go about my job, my day job, which requires me to be out and about and interacting with the public and reassuring business owners, that, like, I've walked into a business, a small business, a local business, which would be more drastically impacted by this than, you know, some larger corporation where they don't have to worry so much, but, like, people who will be all conspiratorial about it, like, oh, you're among like-minded folk here. Remove the mask, sheeple. And I'm like, no, I want to wear this, though. I think that's the thing people don't get, is that I want to wear it. Yeah. I want to help other people not get sick from me, maybe. Yeah, like, that's wild to me that there seems to be this assumption, like, as we all know, we hate doing the very mild thing that we have to do to protect the lives of others. Yeah, well, here it is. Here's the thing. I, um, as everyone on the internet now knows, I work in local government. Mm-hmm. And um, I have come to the realization, working in local government, that deep down, everybody secretly believes that everyone else secretly agrees with them, and they're mm-hmm. the only ones brave enough to say what's on everybody's mind. That's like a common belief that everyone holds somehow. And so mm. when like when somebody thinks that wearing masks is nonsense, an opinion I myself do not agree with, incidentally, because mm-hmm. I like science and staying alive, um, 
But people who don't quote unquote believe in masks seem to think that everyone else knows quote unquote that it's nonsense and just isn't bold enough to be the one to tell the emperor he's not wearing clothes. So they think they're doing you a favor and offering you a path to the true life you want to be living when you oh walk into their establishment and they say, no, no, you're among friends here. And it's like, no, I'm in a closed space and a respiratory pandemic is happening. Yeah. So like, yeah, anyway, if somebody's wearing a mask, respect their decision to wear a mask. Consider for yourself... Why you might also want to make that decision. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Anyway, yeah, I didn't want to, like, hit too hard on that today. I just, um... The few times I've ventured outside in recent times, it's been, like, about a 50-50 split in terms of how many people in public places are not wearing masks and uh, versus are, and I don't care for that. So... Yeah, yeah, our governor here literally made it a requirement to wear masks in indoor spaces, and it's still not happening because... Because people have decided to couch their personal disgruntlement in the language of disability rights. And it's um, just, it's a whole mess. Yes, yes, yes. Anyway, we're not talking about any of that on Cryptid Lens today. Um, today's Cryptid actually has nothing to do with any of that. Oh, good. I've, I've noticed a pattern that seems to happen, which is we get into these sweltering summer months and I find myself sort of irrevocably drawn to water cryptids. I like talking about the aquatic boys. Maybe it's because I think... If I could go somewhere and take a splash right now, how whimsical and wonderful would that be? And like, even now more than ever, I think I'm in this position where not only does the monster seem like a faraway fantasy, but the idea of being outside someplace where there is a body of water that other people might visit is a far off fantasy. That's not going to be reality in my life anytime soon. In fact, I can't even seem to find an inflatable pool on the curbside pickup option for Target. But I digress. Oh. We're talking today about the Beast of Busco. I don't know what that is. Well, let me whisk you away to the far-off land of Indiana. Indiana? Indiana, I say. Oh, so glamorous. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you may have heard of Indiana. Have you ever seen Indiana? I have never seen Indiana. You've never seen Indiana? I've been Wait, to Indiana. I've driven through it. <laughs> I've been to Indiana once. It strikes me as a flatter Pennsylvania, but that's really about <laughs> all I have to say on the matter. Um, um, I've driven through Indianapolis before. <laughs> okay, that's pretty cool. I went one time to Indiana, which was when an actually friend of show, Tim, was on this trip as well. It was one of the years I was in college. I, I studied bassoon all throughout college. And um, our bassoon studio was wont to do things as a, as a group sometimes. We were a close-knit gang. And um, one summer, we took, like, immediately after the semester ended, we took a trip to the Fox Factory, which Fox is a producer of bassoons, um, well-regarded as probably the, the, the best producer of bassoons to most people who are common bassoonists, <laughs> as it were. Although I don't know that I've ever met a common bassoonist. They're all fairly uncommon, as experience has proven. But that having been said... We went to the Fox Factory, which is in Indiana, and it was kind of a wild thing because from our Virginia campus to Indiana was quite a long drive, and we went there and back in the span of like 28 hours. <laughs> so we drove to Indiana, we stayed the night in a hotel, we got up the next morning, we toured the Fox Factory, mm -hmm. we listened to a guy lecture about bassoon at us for several hours, several very <laughs> dry hours, 
And then we came home. Okay. <laughs> and it was kind of a wild thing to do. But that's my experience with Indiana. That's the limit of it. And it has nothing to do with anything I'm about to talk about other than I think it seems like a neat place in my limited experience with it. Yeah. But we're not talking about bassoons today. We are talking about the Beast of Busco, which specifically is an enormous snapping turtle, which citizens claim to have seen in 1949. Okay, yeah. I don't think we've had a giant turtle yet. I don't think that we have. We've had some other aquatic critters. And I have to say, I've heard the name Beast of Busco before. It's come up in other aquatic cryptids I've looked at or like lake monsters. Um, But it is entirely dissimilar from all the other lake monsters that we've covered before. And specifically from most other North American lake monsters we talk about. We um, get into a lot of American or I should say United States and Canadian lake monsters. And pretty much all of them are serpentine in nature. Yeah, except for our octopus friend. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But this one is a giant snapping turtle. And it's not even that the Beast of Busco is like a monster that resembles a snapping turtle. Like it is literally just a real big snapping turtle. (laughs) Sure. That's it. That's the entire (laughs) thing. Just a very large boy. She's not like the other girls. She's not like other girls. Uh, So anyway, the Beast of Busco's whole situation is that basically there was a month-long hunt in 1949 that garnered, like, national attention. There was this huge Beast of Busco craze. People came from all over the country to try to look at this thing. But it was never definitively found. It was never found? It was never found. There's a little bit of prehistory to the Beast of Busco. Okay. Which is that in 1898, a farmer named Oscar Falk, and this will be relevant, claimed to have seen a giant turtle living in the seven-acre lake on his farm near Churubusco, Indiana. He told others about it, but eventually he decided to drop the matter. A half century later, in July 1948, two Churubusco citizens, Aura Blue and Charlie Wilson, also reported seeing a huge turtle weighing an estimated 500 pounds. No! while fishing on the same lake, which had come to be known as Falk Lake, after Oscar Falk. Now, I genuinely don't know this, and I don't know if you know this off the top of your head, but how big are snapping turtles usually? Like, the, Or not even usually. Like, how big is the biggest, like, official... We will actually cover that. Okay, cool. Um, I have an article about that later, so we'll get to it. But Nice. Suffice it to say, this one is much, 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 much bigger. Perfect. <laughs> A farmer named Gail Harris owned the land at that time. Harris and others also reported seeing the creature and word spread. So 1948, in the summertime, um, there started being a few more sightings of this critter. So in 1898, we have an initial sighting. 50 years later, exactly 50 years later, actually, we get a rash of sightings, as it were. A few individuals who live in this land. And again, I I do want to make it clear, something interesting here is that I think sometimes when you have lake monsters, you'll get like tourists coming from out of the area who will claim to see something. Right. And maybe that can feed into this idea of like not having a a frame of reference for what creatures they might be seeing. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Not that I'm saying that like people who go to Scotland don't know what animals live in Scotland, but like when you go to a new place, you just may not be thinking of what particular wildlife would exist there. Yeah. But these are people who lived on this land or who lived in this town who would be familiar with like what they were expecting to see. And they would probably not be caught off guard to see a snapping turtle. There are a lot of snapping turtles in this area. Fishing them is actually fairly common, or trapping them, rather. But Don't trap them. 
to see one of this size. No. <laughs> so I'm saying it's it's not like they would just see one that was a little bit big and be startled and exaggerated. I think these people would probably have a pretty good concept of what a snapping turtle tended to look like. And if they saw one that was extravagantly huge, they would probably be pretty realistic about that. <laughs> right. So then in early 1949, a reporter from Fort Wayne sent the story out on wire services and the turtle became nationally famous. Curious mobs of sightseers began to invade Harris's land, forcing state police to be called in for traffic control. After many doubted the existence of the turtle, Harris made several attempts to catch the beast, including draining the lake by pumping the water into an area sealed off by a dam with the help of Orville Bright and Kenneth Leach, only for the dam to break when the lake had almost been entirely drained. But despite many attempts, Oscar which is what they named the turtle after the original owner of the farm, was never captured. I didn't know he had a name. Yeah, they named him Oscar. <laughs> Wait, that's really cute. In March 1949, an attempt to send a deep sea diver into the pond failed when the wrong equipment was delivered to the Harris farm. Cool. <laughs> and this last little tidbit is a photographer for Life magazine, Mike Shea, took 299 photos at the site, but they were all deemed unusable. Why? What was wrong with them? I don't know. I didn't have any more information on that. But this kind of reads like a Pink Panther episode to me. Just like attempt after attempt to like pull off these outlandish schemes to get photo evidence of Oscar the Beast of Churubusco and just like Every single one is stymied somehow in a different and unusual way. <laughs> like, like, we'll just drain the whole lake and they get most of the way there and then the dam bursts and the whole lake floods again. Or like, they take hun literal hundreds of photos and none of them work. Like, yeah, it's wild. Honestly, they send a deep sea diver and they just straight up get the wrong equipment <laughs> delivered. Like, what is this cartoon? I, I have to say, I either feel like this is just like some staggering incompetence, likely, or or mm -hmm. Oscar had a man on the inside. <laughs> <laughs> a saboteur. Distinctly possible. I would believe there were other agents involved working for Oscar. <laughs> Doing a big lake heist. There were some double agents on the inside making sure that diver got the wrong equipment, making sure that dam burst. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't know, tampering with the footage. So those uh, footage, Tavia tampering with the photographs. Yeah, so overexposing the camera. You know what I mean? Like anything. Open that sucker up, get that sunlight in there. <laughs> I love that. So the Beast of Busco falls into that category of like hometown cryptids that create such a sense of like tourist identity mm -hmm. that they end up sticking around literally forever. So Churubusco has a festival each June called Turtle Days, which I think is really, really fun. Turtle Days? <laughs> it includes a parade, carnival, and turtle races. <laughs> don't make them race. They don't like that. <laughs> and then there is a small concrete statue of a turtle that sits on the sidewalk at the main intersection in the center of Churubusco. That's cute as hell. Isn't that adorable? Turtles don't like to be fast. Don't make them. Well, nobody's dictating the speed of the race, I think. Okay. Except for faster than the other turtle. <laughs> I don't know. Does the winner get a treat? That I don't know. Unclear. If you could please let me, like, get, research that and get back to me so I can sleep tonight. Yeah, yeah. Or listeners, if any of you are from the Churubusco area, um, could you maybe shed some light on that? Because we really are very interested in knowing whether or not the turtles do get treats at the end. Thank you. That would be extremely useful to us. I need to know so I can rest. Exactly. So we can finally get some peace in these troubling times. But that is adorable. It is really cute. All of that information comes to us from the Wikipedia article. So that's that source in case you are interested. Oh, very good. 
Uh, I also should mention just because uh, I'm now biased toward this creature because its name is Oscar, which is the name of one of my parents' cats. Mm -hmm. It's a good cat. He's a really good cat, and I've known him since he was a tiny little baby I could hold in one hand. Mm -hmm. And so I like I like the big turtle now. Well, I mean, I always liked the big turtle. He's very fun. I actually always liked the big turtle. As soon as I found out he was a giant turtle who has done no sins, I was like, yeah. Yeah, like friend. if you're gonna take a like a water creature and make it um irrationally large, one of the best ones you can do is a turtle. Turtle's probably the best one. I'm trying to think what else there could <gasps> oh be. Oh my god. I'm sorry, how big is he supposed to be again? About five hundred pounds. Do you think do you think do you think if he <laughs> I haven't been awake for very long. Okay, do you think if mm-hmm. do you think if I made friends with this turtle? I don't know. What are they like? They like like vegetables, right? They like greens. If I offered him some greens. Yeah, um, I think that would be good. Some lettuce, some very nice, like some fancy butter lettuce. If I made friends with this turtle. Please pronounce think, the word lettuce again the way we did a moment ago. <laughs> lettuce? Is that what I said? Yes. <laughs> I was just trying to add an affectation. A joyful affectation. But um, if I made friends with this turtle and I gave him some lettuce, do you think he would perhaps let me sit on his back and and he would walk around really slowly and I would just sit on his back and, like, enjoy the sights passing by very slowly? And you could feel like a person on the back of the turtle that carries the world? Yeah, I think so. I would like to sit, to sit, on, his, to sit on his back. <laughs> I think that would be very nice. I think maybe he would let you, provided you gave him the lettuce. <laughs> the, the lettuce. <laughs> I love turtles. I also... They're really good. I shouldn't forget, though, that this is a snapping turtle. It is a snapping turtle, yes. Because here's the thing. Snapping turtles, when they're small... He do a munch. Like, small snapping turtles are already kind of kind of intense. Mm-hmm. Like, like, not to get, like, super graphic, but, like, a, a really determined snapping turtle can take off a finger. Oh, yeah. 100p. So... I, I just I can't imagine how how big his snaps can be if uh, he is the that large. Torque of a five hundred pound snapping turtle's jaw has got to be pretty impressive. Yeah, I think he's probably got some very big snaps, which is just so. My point is, I would like to have him as a friend and an ally, but I would be I would be chilled to my very core if Oscar thought of me as an enemy. <laughs> I think of that click hole video all the time about things marine biologists hope never to discover. Yes. A 500 pound snapping turtle might be on that list. I think it might be. Yeah. Like that's the thing. If it were any other variety, if it were like just a box turtle, mm. that would be just nice. Well, I'm not going to ask Oscar to change. No, I for still us, like him. I just, I'm afraid of his, I'm afraid of his snapping power. And I think you should be. Oh. I think that's a healthy fear. <laughs> Thank you. Anyway, our next source is the Indiana History Blog of the Indiana Historical Bureau of the Indiana State Library. Okay, yeah. In an article titled, Mermaids, Giant Turtles, and Wild Men. Oh my. You didn't tell me there would be mermaids or wild men. We can talk a little bit about the mud mermaids. Those are kind of fun. I actually wanted to do the um, episode on them to begin with, but it's there's just not enough information. So if we have time at the end, I'll circle back around to the mud mermaids. Did you say they're mud mermaids? Mud mermaids. Yeah, you heard me. Oh my god, that's great. Uh, There's a very fun editor's note at the top of this article, which I do just want to read real quick, which says, editor's note, while the Indiana Historical Bureau does not research folklore and cryptozoology, in the course of doing historical research and newspapers about other topics, we sometimes come across odd stories like we have collected here. We thought some people would find these strange accounts from historical records interesting. Which, like, yes. All right, so let's talk about Busco. 
Perhaps the most famous Indiana cryptid, definitely the one most thoroughly covered by newspapers, is a giant turtle called the Beast of Busco, which was reported to live in a 10-acre lake near Churubusco, Indiana. Also called Oscar, the turtle's shell was said to be as big around as a dining room table. Yes. Gail Harris, the owner of the lake Oscar called home, first saw the beast a year after purchasing the farmland the lake sat on in 1948. In early March 1949, the Columbia City Commercial Mail demanded a hunt for the reptile, running headlines like, 500-pound turtle would make lots of good turtle soup. <gasps> oh, how dare! <laughs> very, very rude, extremely. The residents of the small town turned into turtle hunters. They proposed building a turtle house in the middle of town to display him in if they caught him. They tried everything to get the turtle out of the lake, including, and here are some other fun methods that we didn't cover in the other article, using a crane, bringing in divers, draining most of the water from the lake, and this is perhaps the most like acme hour of them all, using a female turtle to lure it out. Are we kidding? <laughs> Are we kidding? They even, they even offered an $1,800 reward for the capture of the beast, all to no avail. Eventually, it was concluded that the Beast of Busco either never existed or escaped to another lake. Dubbed Turtle Town, USA, Churubusco still celebrates its famous reptilian resident with the annual Churubusco Turtle Days Festival. They really tried. They just mm -hmm. full-blown uh -huh. Looney Tunes tried to. Yep. Yes. I imagine that they took a turtle and they put a pink bow on its head and some lipstick. I imagine that's exactly what happened. And they sat it outside the lake and were like... It, I'm imagining, like, in, in very wily coyote fashion that they literally just, like, painted a rock to look like a lady turtle. <laughs> like, put lipstick on a rock. <laughs> and then they were like, here you go. And they were like, oh, what a, what a sexy lady turtle. <laughs> no one isolate that clip, please. But also very presumptuous to assume that this giant snapping turtle was not gay, but... Yeah, come on. Yeah. They should have, if they really wanted to cover their bases, they should have also gotten a sexy male turtle. <laughs> sexy turtles of all gender varieties. <laughs> to lure to lure the turtle out of the lake. That's <laughs> just like a lineup of turtles. <laughs> That's the most ridiculous thing. I never would have... I'm sorry. You could have left me here for, like, a month, like, monkeys on a typewriter to write the great American novel style, just have mm -hmm. me guessing and churning out churning out guesses for what they did to try to trap the turtle, and I think it would have taken me a really long time to get to that one. Um, that's fair and valid because it's such a wild idea. <laughs> Although, in fairness, I have actually seen, like, Shark Week stuff where they use that approach to like get sharks out of the water to study. Like they'll they'll put a lady shark silhouette in the water. Stop it. No, I'm not making this up. Nothing is real. <laughs> I saw I had the same reaction as you did, like right now when I first saw this. It was some sort of Shark Week special on Animal Planet and they literally like were trying to tag this shark or something, I guess. And one of the solutions they had to like lure this shark in was they built this lady shark contraption that was like, and this was truly wild. It was built to look like a shark from like underneath. So if the shark was swimming around, it would look like there was a shark up towards the surface. 
And they had a guy on it, like as if you would lay on a surfboard or something, because they had to move the tail back and forth to make it look real. So it was just like a flat board that this this person like laid on and manipulated the tail to make it look like there was a lady shark swimming through the water. I don't know how I, a shark is supposed to tell from a cutout like that that it was a lady shark. I guess they gave it like an hourglass silhouette or I, something. I don't... I don't. I thought that science was very serious, and the more I learn about it, the more I I feel like it's just clown. It's just clown town. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is clown town. I don't <laughs> confirmed. They just <laughs> real animal scientists go on TV and they catfish a shark, and they're like, "We did a science today." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Look at all this data I generated by catfishing a shark. Maybe they started off doing it with catfish, and that's where the term comes from. I actually know where the term comes from, and I hate that I do. I don't want to know. Let me believe it's sexy shark time. Okay. You know what? I'll give you this gift. Don't ever say I did nothing for you. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, I do have an article that goes into a little bit more depth about all of these different attempts, which to me is the funnest part of this story. So Please tell me all about it, please. <laughs> this comes to us from unknownexplorers.com with the article that's just titled Beast of Busco. So something that I didn't find in any of the other articles that is covered in this one is that in the first few days of March 1949, when Gail Harris claimed to have seen the giant turtle, and we covered that part, um, he was actually persuaded by some townspeople to try and capture the beast. And according to newspaper reports, he almost did on the first day. (gasps) A trap of stakes and chicken wire trapped the beast in about 10 feet of water. There was even a video, now lost, of course, which appeared to show the creature swimming just below the surface. I'm so angry. (laughs) But no legend worth the status is captured so easily. And thus the beast of Busco made its escape. Okay, so, like, this is a very particular, that's amazing, this mm-hmm. is a very particular reference, but it's all I can think of is I'm, like, uh, I learned a lot recently about the um, the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum, mm-hmm. which is a museum in Boston I've been to, and there was this famous uh, theft there, like, years ago, where people, like, these, these thieves, like, talked their way into the museum by pretending to be security, and then they literally cut paintings out of their frames, my gosh. And, and and stole them. And then and, and the paintings have never been found. There were several, like, uh, I think there was, like, a Rembrandt and, and, like, some of those. They've never been recovered. And there are people who will spend the rest of their lives trying to hunt down the paintings that were stolen from the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum. And I think that I finally understand. I think that this video footage is my stolen paintings. I, I honestly love that. And I... Just want nothing more than to be the first person you call on the day you find it. That's all Thank I you. ask. Of course. Do you think I would call anyone else the day I find the lost footage of the giant turtle? <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, what if we have some sort of cryptid-related falling out along the way, and oh then there's this big emotional thing where, like, even though we spent the prime years of our life working together in pursuit of our passion project, that there was a schism that formed irreparably, and then some <sighs> bright-eyed young cryptozoologist has to come find us in our separate retirement homes and convince us to speak to each other again for one last quest. Well... I mean, I never wanted us to, like, have a fight that would ruin our friendship, but now I kind of do. I mean, here's the thing. (laughs) If it has to happen, that's the way it needs to go down. Like, if we get to have that. (laughs) I'm just saying what if. (laughs) Just, like, what if that specifically. Listen, kid, I don't do that anymore. And then the kid is like, but what if I told you I could find the Busco footage? (laughs) 
they show up with like a handful of old Polaroids that you like, and they're just like printouts of Instagrams that like you buried at the bottom of some trunk and they're like, who is the person in this photos? And you're like, I don't talk about them anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't seen that face in a long time. (laughs) And I'll be darned if I see it again. (laughs) (sighs) Oh my God. Um, We were talking about turtles, I think. (laughs) Turtle. 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 One particular turtle. Yes. My favorite Jimmy Buffett song. Is that a Jimmy Buffett song? <laughs> One particular turtle. Yeah. If you if you told me that was a Jimmy Buffett song, I don't know his discography well enough. I would believe you. One particular harbor is a Jimmy Buffett song. I was I, I made you. a joke that probably three people will appreciate, and two of them are just dads of people who listen to this podcast. One of them is probably my dad. One of them is Rick, and the other two are um, also Rick. He shared it with the cats, and they loved it. Oh, my parents have two cats. They're brothers. Their names are Oscar and Edgar, and they're really good cats. And uh, every time I say Oscar... And they love my Jimmy Buffett joke. Yes, they love your Jimmy Buffett joke. And I I can't stop associating the name of this big, giant snapping turtle with also my parents' very small... Tabby cat. Oscar, 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 Oscar. He's <laughs> so good. I miss him. Okay. I miss him and I miss the turtle. Tell me more. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. So anyway, there was this initial attempt to capture it uh, with the chicken wire and the stakes and the lost video that you're going to spend the rest of your life finding after a great schism. I will not rest. You will not rest. I understand. It will be fine. Um, it's going to be an incredible story to culminate your golden years in. And I love that for you. But anyway, so the news of this story spread and went nationwide. Literal thousands of people came from all over the country, like trampling this property to the ground uh, to try to get a glimpse of this turtle. And uh, Harris felt that his reputation was being questioned and began a personal quest to capture the turtle. What a great sentence. I love it. I think we all feel very personally about the Beast of Busco, and that's understandable. Anyway, Harris and local garage mechanic Kenneth Leach began to develop numerous ingenious, that's editorializing, but the word is there nonetheless, traps in their continuing efforts to capture the beast. Harris even reportedly created a type of periscope that allowed him to see down into the murky water in an attempt to catch sight of Oscar. On March 18th, Harris somehow obtained a complete dive suit and Woodrow Rigsby was quick to attempt to walk the bottom of the lake, but the helmet began to leak and they called off the search. Another diver, Walter Johnson, reportedly spent two hours in the lake before giving up because he kept sinking chest deep into the muck-covered lake bottom. That's actually going to be relevant, so hold on to that little tidbit. All right, I'll put a pin in it. In April, it appeared the hunt was finally over when two Indianapolis men claimed to have captured the Beast of Busco. However, it didn't take long for people to discover that what they had was a sea turtle, purchased in an attempt to cash in on the Oscar frenzy. This sea turtle, however, gave someone an idea, though, and it wasn't long before a female sea turtle was brought to the lake in a fruitless attempt to lure the beast out of hiding. Oh my god. Public interest faded by May as the Beast of Busco continued to evade capture. This, however, did not stop Harris, who continued the search using various techniques, including dynamite charges. They wanted to blow him up. (laughs) It literally is like Toontown Hour over here. Leave him alone. In September, Harris attempted his most elaborate method of capture yet. He pulled his tractor up to the lake and hooked up a sump pump, hoping to drain the water from the lake, leaving Oscar nowhere to hide. This attempt renewed interest in the Beast of Busco, and the crowds began to return. 
This time, Harris charged a fee to help pay for the pumping and, this is actually kind of sad, to offset the cost of the crops he lost due to the number of people trampling his property. No! (laughs) Yeah, so not only did this guy feel like personally his reputation was at stake, he also lost so much money because people came from all over the country to like stomp all over his farm and look for a giant turtle. That sucks! If you're gonna go look for a Mm -hmm. giant turtle, can you be respectful of the place where you're looking? Please. <laughs> yeah, seriously. So he charged an entry fee, like a viewing fee. Don't destroy somebody's livelihood just because you're trying to look for the turtle. <laughs> but it was a costly venture because Harris used over 2,000 gallons of gas as he reduced the once seven-acre lake to a mere acre. I I don't know. I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> it's a lot of information, right? Oh, like, it's a no. lot. More and more people, including senators and celebrities began to crowd around the lake hoping to see the now world-famous turtle. On October 13th, 200-plus people got their wish as the Beast of Busco reportedly appeared at the surface of the lake in an attempt to catch a duck being used as a lure. Harris sensed that the end of his search was near and that his name would soon be vindicated. However, luck seemed to favor Oscar as the unstable, muck-covered lake bottom took its toll, wearing out the pump and breaking down his tractor. No! Crane was brought in to dredge the lake as the capture of the Beast of Busco dragged on for weeks. In December, Harris came down with appendicitis, and by the time he was well enough to start his search again, Rain had all but refilled the lake. No, this poor man! (laughs) (laughs) I'm losing my mind. I'm so... The search was declared over by Harris, whose health and money were both gone. This poor man! No! Here's the thing, though. Like, yes, I am sorry for this man, but also this man is the villain of every, like, children's movie with an animal protagonist. Like, this is some mouse hunt nonsense. Like, this man drove himself to the brink in attempts to capture a giant turtle that, like, honestly, if he had just left it alone in the first place, people would not have come all over the place and, like, stamped down his crops. But also- He would not have spent (laughs) 2,000 gallons of gas. (laughs) Like, it is sad, but he was clearly a man obsessed by he this was point. but like what man has not fallen and like let he among us without a captain ahab-esque obsession cast the first stone like he was but a human man drawn into the wild world of this impossibly giant turtle i have to find some sympathy in my heart he also probably never could have known that when he like first started looking for it i i imagine he didn't realize it would go this far <laughs> I, I am sympathetic but i do think again that like Many different children's movies I watched as a as a wee tyke did warn me about exactly this kind of human That's man. That's true, but in several of those movies, at least in several of those type of movies, that man is redeemed because it's a children's story. Yeah, eventually. What I would like for him for to be the end of for the end of his story, I would like mm-hmm. after years of searching and years of doing all of these really like involved things to find this turtle. One day he's just like finally gives up. And he falls to his knees by the lake and he lays his head in his hands and he hears the splashing noise as something comes out of the water and the turtle comes up to him and nudges him with its little head (laughs) or with its very large head. And he starts singing, hello, my honey. (laughs) It's like a very Michigan situation that you have He pats the turtle on the head. He says, I'm sorry, old boy. And the turtle goes back into the water and he'll never, and he knows no one will ever believe him when he tells them what he saw. But also he's made his peace because he finally, uh, he finally spotted the turtle for himself. He finally found it and he knows that it's real. Well, for all we know, that might have happened. I want to believe that it did. Because that wouldn't 
go down in the history text. That's true. You're right. I would like to believe that it did, it did and then the two forged a lifelong friendship. And here's the thing, again, Addison, I, if I believed this man's intentions were solely to spot the turtle and prove to himself that wonderment can exist in this cold world, I, I think I would have more empathy than if the man, oh, I don't know, used dynamite charges. Okay, yeah. Uh, listen. I'm Team Oscar. I'm sorry. I'm also Team Oscar. <laughs> anyway, uh, his health and money were both gone. The following year, he sold his farm, including his turtle traps and the land containing the lake. His turtle traps. <laughs> I know. Since 1949, no further searchers have been mounted to find the Beast of Busco and no new sightings have been reported, leaving some outside the town of Churubusco to question if a turtle the size of Oscar could have ever existed in Folk Lake at all. Now here's where it gets interesting. According to Churubusco turtle expert Rusty Reed, the answer to that question is yes, although possibly not the massive size described by the legend. Until very recently, Reed bred alligator snapping turtles, a much larger version of their northern Indiana cousins, the common snapping turtle. The world record for a common snapping turtle is 70 pounds, with the average being 40 pounds. In comparison, the largest recorded alligator snapper weighed an astonishing 236 pounds. That's a big turtle. That's a big turtle. It's not Oscar big, but it is big. It's pretty big. And legend has it that a 403-pound alligator snapping turtle was found in the Neosha River of Kansas in 1937. However, the size of this specimen cannot be verified. Based on his research, Reed believes that if the Beast of Busco existed, he would have had to have been an alligator snapping turtle, though he would not expect to find even a normal-sized alligator snapper roaming around Churubusco. Reed states that alligator snappers tend to prefer warmer climates. However, a 1985 study revealed that alligator snappers do have a tendency to wander north as they age. Since they also gain weight with age, about one pound per year, the individual who conducted the study found some of the largest specimens to the north of their normal range. Reed continues by suggesting that if an alligator snapper did make it as far north as Indiana, it most certainly would have been large, perhaps the largest ever, but not as large as a dining room table or the top of a car as the original reports indicated. In his study of the Beast of Busco, Reed found no references to anyone seeing the entire turtle out of the water, which means the most anyone ever saw of the creature would have been its head, neck, and the top part of its shell, and since alligator snappers have heads that are way out of proportion to their bodies, Reed believes the enormous head may have led people to overestimate the overall size of the creature. So, extremely possible, even likely, that Oscar did exist, but that it was a slightly different variety of snapping turtle, and that proportionally, the parts of Oscar that they would have seen, in all of the cases actually, I think, uh -huh. probably would have led people to misunderstand the size of the creature. Although, either way, it would have been huge. Okay, so either way, very, very big. Either way, quite big. Just maybe not at the upper end of the range that people were suggesting for the Beast of Busco. Hmm. I like, Fun, right? I, I, I still think he's the really, really big. Oh, yeah, no, he's super big. Thank you. <laughs> he's super big and very strong. Yes, he's so strong. Mm-hmm. And what people don't know about him is not only is he physically strong, he's very strong emotionally. He's really emotionally strong. Can you imagine, like, sticking it out for over a year while people keep trying to blow up your house? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> he's withstood so much public scrutiny. Honestly, yeah. It's really amazing. I went viral for, like, three days, and I wasn't, I wasn't strong enough to handle it. I don't know how Oscar did it. I don't know. Honestly, I'm in awe. Very good boy. A really good boy. Yeah. We love Oscar. We do. I love Oscar the turtle and I love Oscar the cat. Now, here's an interesting thing. 
Yes. And this comes to us from the pinebarrensinstitute.com. A little epilogue to our tale, as it were. So one of the possibilities for the Beast of Busco never actually showing up, even when we got to like the very bottom of the lake and the dredging of it, is like, where did he go, right? A, yeah. a major theory that is proposed is that, and this is sad, I warn you, content warning for giant turtle death, no. potentially, as established, the bottom of the lake was like very, very mucky, very soft, very muddy, and that he could have potentially suffocated down there, like as the lake got pushed further and further down, that he would have tried to retreat to the bottom and simply like gotten stuck and suffocated, so they wouldn't have found him. But mm -hmm. there is also a much more interesting sort of Ocean's Eleven-y kind of possible ending to The Beast of Busco's Tale. Uh-oh. And that relies on the fact that there are underground channels that connect Folk Lake to other lakes in the area. Yes. So the theory is that there are other lakes connected by these, these deep underground channels, and that when everything's got too chaotic in the lake, Oscar would simply escape through one of those channels into a calm lake away from all the nosy sightseers, loud equipment, and dynamite. And that possibly, after things got really, really wild, he would have just left permanently and never returned. Huh. So mm -hmm. maybe he just got out of there. Maybe he just, yeah, went, gave him the slip. Went to seek a better life. Yep. I hope that that's what happened. I do too. I kind of love it. And I love that, like, it ends with that sort of uncertainty of, like, maybe he just completely got away, you know? Maybe by the time that we went looking for him, he wasn't even there anymore. Like, maybe for a lot of that, he was already gone. I know, right? It's possible. Like, the first day they set that trap and caught that video, right? But after that, I think there was only, like, one other sighting. And so it's possible, like, you know, he was there in the beginning, maybe slip it away for a while, Came back, tried to return one more time to the scene of the crime, almost got caught, and then made a clean escape for good. I love that. I do too. I think it's really fun. Tell me more stuff about my favorite turtle. <laughs> Tell you more stuff about your favorite turtle? He's my favorite um, turtle. Let me see. What have I not given you yet? Did you ever used to watch Franklin when you were a kid? Oh yeah, all the time. I don't remember it very well at all. I really just remember that he was a turtle, but... <laughs> well, you'll be happy to know that uh, elementary school kids are still watching Franklin. Really? And still reading, and still reading Franklin books. Oh, that's very good. Because people our age are like elementary school teachers now. So, you know, when they go to like show YouTube videos in class, a lot of times I think teachers just like look for stuff they know. And if that stuff is like Little Bear or Franklin, then yeah. Or, I mean, the top, the top of the top tier, Arthur. Yeah, absolutely, Arthur. I actually watched more... Little Bear than Arthur as a kid. Oh, I, I watched Little Bear kid. so much Arthur that, I'm sorry, this is a weird tangent, so much Arthur that, like, phrases from certain Arthur episodes have, like, made their way into, like, the recurring jokes that my family makes. I understand that. Yeah, like, no, we definitely have stuff like that all yeah. the time with my, with my household. Yeah, we have a couple. One of them is uh, from an Arthur episode. It was, like, one of the little intro bits where Arthur would be, like, sitting on the logo and he would say, like, the... The, like, mm -hmm. sort of yeah, yeah, foreshadowing yeah. of the episode. And it's just, it's lost. It's really lost. And my mom says that all the time. <laughs> That's so funny it's to me. from an episode of Arthur. You've got that one. And then you've got, there's some episode where DW is talking about something called Monkey Island. And she's like, monkeys, island. And my mom says that all the time as well. I think I actually remember that one. Like, now that you point it out, that's bringing <laughs> up, like, a, a glimmer of a recovered memory in my mind. 
<laughs> so good, which is very fun and delightful. Um, but yeah, I actually think that's about all the information I've got for you. On oh, the Beast dang. Of Busco. On the big, on my big boy. Mm-hmm. On your big boy. That's okay. I like him a lot, and I'm glad I learned so much about him. Yeah, there's plenty of other reading material out there on the Beast of Busco, and it's all quite fun. Um, there are just we pretty much covered all the facts. So if you're looking for something else, that's going to be... All the information, yeah. Yeah, it, it's going to be more of the same. I did find a really fun article um, from Field and Stream, which is like a hunting and fishing magazine. Oh, I know Field and Stream. <laughs> I'm sure that you do, but some of our listeners may not. And it's titled, How an Expert Trapper Catches Huge Snapping Turtles in Indiana. Which just came up because if you're going to talk about huge snapping turtles in Indiana, you're going to talk about Oscar. So it was interesting. It was a cool read just about like how snapping turtle trapping happens and how big they can get even just like in you know in common practice in the general wild for somebody who is not necessarily looking for a 500 pound um i think this person's personal best was over a hundred pounds i think he said it was like 50 inches you know snout to tail yeah for sure that's still that's pretty big sizable that's like a four foot turtle yeah oh i like it it's fun it's a good boy (laughs) Oh, they're so nice. Can you tell me about the mud mermaids? Yeah, we can get into the mud mermaids for a hot minute. Just for like a little bit. Would you like me to read you the newspaper clipping from the discovery of the mud mermaids? Of course I would. Okay, so here's the initial column. And this was published from uh, the Akron Daily Democrat on 20th October 1894. That's the source for this. And it's titled Mud Mermaids. Strange human-like creatures that live in the Ohio River. Yes. On the sandbar in the Ohio River, near um, Vive, I think, Indiana, reside two nondescript creatures, horrible in appearance and habit. They are amphibious in nature and resemble in appearance huge lizards with human features. When partly submerged in the yellow waters of the Ohio, they are strangely like human beings. Of what species of animal they are, no one knows, for it is impossible to get near enough for them to judge correctly. The sandbar in question at low tide is covered with huge logs and stumps of trees, known in the river vernacular as snags. They have been deposited by the government snag boats engaged in keeping the channel clear. When the water is high enough to cover these snags, the creatures make their home among them. When the water recedes, they disappear into some unknown lair and wait for a rise." From indications, they appear to be carnivorous. Among the snags are to be found wagon loads of mussel shells, fish bones, and other debris of animals. When the river goes down, these shells and other articles disappear, only to be succeeded by a fresh lot. This is evidence to those who have watched the coming and going of the strange things that they live upon such food. Which is, like, fair. That's exactly my behavior at a seafood buffet. Yeah. (laughs) I like them. They're pretty cool, and you can find illustrations of them, too, um, because... There are articles about them in, like, the Weird Indiana book. You know, like, the Weird whatever state. I know we've talked about those books before, but there's a Mud Mermaids excerpt from the Weird Indiana book, which is very cool and fun. Mud Mermaids. I'm looking. I want to see them. They look kind of like little lizards that are, like, kind of like dog lizards, but they have human faces. I like them. Yeah? You see what I'm talking about? (laughs) Ooh, I like them. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're fun and goofy. Oh. Hmm. When you search Mud Mermaid, you find some fun ones, and then you find some kind of weird sexual stuff. Yeah, those are wrong. Those are wrong and false. It's like the human faces and, like, the human-ish fingers, but the rest of them is, like, lizard dog. <laughs> it's real weird, and I like it. I like it. I think they're good. 
Someone did kind of like a CGI rendering of one, and it's very troubling. Oh, no. I don't care for that at all. I like it. (laughs) But yeah, unfortunately, that information is about all you get when you look for mud mermaids. There's really not a lot. Ah, uh, respect. I just thank you for humoring me and letting and, and telling me about them because mm-hmm. you said mud mermaids and I wasn't supposed to ask about that and 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 I don't know how I wasn't gonna ask about that. I mean, I never told you you weren't supposed to ask about that. You can ask about that. Now we've talked about it. It's good. That's fair. You're very true. You're very correct. I, <laughs> I'm both things. I don't know what's going on with me. I right am a now. true and noble friend. I am loyal to a fault. You're not fakey. You're a true. I'm a true. Um, I don't understand fully what that means, but I see people say it on Twitter a lot. Anyway, um... I've literally never heard it before now, so thanks for, uh, thanks for covering me there. Oh, you're welcome. Um, so yeah, thank you for telling me all about big turtles and, uh, and lizard And little, like, lizards with human faces that live in the mud. Mm-hmm. Friends, all of them. <laughs> Buddies and pals, I might need to take that trip to Indiana after all. What? I don't... I was never going to take a trip to Indiana. You doing all right, buddy? I don't know. Oh, I'm just all punchy. I don't know. I, yeah, I get that. I, I got kind of punchy just doing this. I think it was just the fact that lots of talk about a big, lots of talk about a great big turtle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't have anything else to add, really. That's helpful. That's also literally all I got. I'm sorry. If you're waiting on me to like offer some closing gem, no. I, I have nothing for you. No, sometimes, listen... Sometimes we have really thoughtful philosophical things to kind of um, expand upon, and sometimes a big turtle is just a big turtle. Today we just got a big turtle, and that's that's going to have to be it. I don't want him to be anything else. Yeah, I don't know why anyone would want anything more from Oscar than what he already has to offer. I mean, he's doing great. Be yourself. He did everything we could possibly ask him to do. Yeah, including potentially being an escape artist who got through mm-hmm. some underground channels into a new lake to start a new life heisted himself i love it now hear me out (laughs) what if the female turtle that they used to lure him out what if she fell in love with oscar from a distance and then after the operation was over she uh she met up with him in whatever new lake he lives in and they're in love what if they were already in love and she was in on the heist? Yes! They already knew each other. And actually, they were going to get a different turtle, but then they arranged to have her be the turtle that they picked out instead. And she was, like, perfect. I just like the idea of heist turtles. I don't know why I want them to be, like, Mission Impossible turtles, but they are now, to me, they are. personally. No, they are, and they're in love. You heard it here first. Are we going to let these poor people go or what? I think we should, probably. <laughs> Just because we're trapped here in turtle hell together doesn't mean everyone has to be. We're stuck here forever. But in the event that you haven't already forwarded to the end of the episode. All right. So uh, if you don't have any uh, announcements or anything to kick off, you know, take care, uh, wash your hands, uh, exercise, caution, and uh, follow regulations in place to keep people safe during this really scary time. As always, we hope we can keep you around and stay safe out there. Studio. Pretty, witty, and gay.